The following episode is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Content is Your Business on the Mouth Media Network, empowered by 24-7 Talent. Why would the head of a successful production company give it all up and join an 800-person powerhouse media firm as a video creative director? Because that company is VaynerMedia. Stay with us as we find out about this story, how Ritesh Gupta makes the most of the role, creating content for brands, and why content is the new wild, wild west. The show starts right now. From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business, conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Produced by Mouth Media Network, powered by Sennheiser, and brought to you by 24-7 Talent, the leading creative recruitment firm. Your hosts for this episode are Dahlia Strum, digital strategy and social commerce expert, Lisa Berger, Senior Vice President of 24-7 Talent, and Edward Hertzman, Founder and CEO of Hertzman Media Group and Sourcing Journal. And now, here are your hosts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Dahlia Strom, and I have my host with me, Eddie Hertzman. Ritesh, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Lisa Berger. Ritesh, nice to meet you. Great to meet you too, Lisa. And we're here with Ritesh Gupta from VaynerMedia. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, fun to be in here and talking about content. Yeah, that's exciting. So let's start at the show out with uh, you giving us a story of who you are, what do you do, and why do you love being in VaynerMedia? So I am a content creator in this day and age, and um, I guess I have a myriad of titles, executive producer, producer, creative director, director, at the bottom line is I'm a creative problem solver. And so <clears throat> I happen to work in this in this sort of facet of my career at working with brands because the opportunity right now in the digital landscape is so endless that the opportunity to take a brand's message and to figure out a way that you can package it and tell it to the audience in a way that it's going to have meaningful engagement for them is one of those challenges that I, I love challenges ever since I was a kid, I've always loved to solve puzzles, whatever it is. And so I always view this as there's a puzzle. I've got to figure it out. There's a message. There's a POV. There's a brand insight. There's a user behavior. I've got to put all of these pieces together, figure it out. I've got to be like sort of what's his name? Uh, John Nash and Beautiful Mind. I've got to like have this spread out in front of me and figure this out and figure out a way to put that together and create an engaging piece of content. So like for me, there's been no better time to be alive and to sort of be doing this this as a career. It's just every day you, you I come to the office thinking like I don't have a real job. You know, and whenever things get stressful, we always have this saying, we're like, we're not splitting the atom, we're not sending a man to the moon, we're making stuff for digital. Let's just have fun, enjoy it, and like see where this ride takes us. Awesome. Um, so just to start out, we, we just want to make this clear that all of your views are of your own and they are nowhere related to the company. <laughs> yes, yes. <clears throat> they're the way I see content, but hopefully they're, they collide a, a little bit with the way the rest of the company sees it as well. Interesting. So we've seen some of your most recent videos. Um, can you give us a little bit of insight into how you tell stories? Like... Where does that inspiration even come from? I think it just starts with like, you know, anytime, whether it's a brand, whether it's my own project, a brand project, a movie, a TV show, whatever it is, it's like, right, you want to start with a POV. Um, and what is it? Um, in the case of, for example, we just did a awesome spot about in end of October, we got a call from Budweiser, who is one of the clients for VaynerMedia. And um, they said, hey, you know, our clients are Major League Baseball and the Chicago Cubs. And would there be a way that we could sort of like, you know, we know this is going to be a huge cultural zeitgeist moment if they went in. Wouldn't it be awesome if there was a way that we could sort of like be there and be a part of it to show our fans how how we've been such a part of the Chicago Cubs and the fabric of Major League Baseball? And wouldn't it be great if we could tie that in with the fans themselves and to create an emotional, engaging piece of content. They were great about coming with the POV. And for the creative team working with the client team, the creative team, the accounts and all that stuff, it's just sort of, 
you just really just got to figure out, it comes down to one thing. What is the heart of the story you're telling? Whether it's a comedy, whether you're making, whether you're doing a documentary, dog food, or a diaper commercial, what is the emotional core? What is the core of the story you're telling? And then you keep that as your North Star and you let that be the guiding force that everything sort of flows off of. And for us, for example, with um, Harry Carey's Last Call, uh, which was a spot we aired I think the the game seven of the World Se- 2016 World Series ended at 1 a.m. The spot was live at 8 a.m. And sort of we just reimagined the way it would have been if Harry Carey would have called the last out. Um, and so everything, though, started with that emotional POV and that sort of like the heart of the story. What if we could be a part of this win? And what if we could tell an engaging story that was an important for the fans that led the brand team and the creative team towards Harry Carey? Um, and, you know, bringing, you know, not you don't want to say bringing him back to life, but just like bringing him out to, you know, call this the way he would have told the story. And then everything we do off that spins off that. So that is sort of like where I always start with. And it just sort of helps me define what a brand needs, what that particular story needs, and like how to then tell it. Ritesh, you know, I'm so happy you're here. Um, As an entrepreneur, uh, I'm really inspired by Gary. I mean, from his wine library days, I followed him for a long time. Um, But you know, in addition to being a host of this show, mm-hmm. I consider myself a consumer of our own content. Right. And as owning a media company, I'm trying to figure out what to do and how to mm-hmm. extend our brand message to all the various channels that are available today. For the CMOs or digital strategists or, you know, content creators out there, how – what do you think they need to do today? You know, there's – where do you invest your money? There are so many – you said Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter – We don't even know what's going on. Tomorrow there's going to be 10 other things. How do you create a strategy? And for people that don't have unlimited budgets, like a Budweiser, how do you even tackle this? It is the Wild West. And what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, we've been doing this show now for a Mm -hmm. few weeks, Mm -hmm. is how do you you really measure ROI on this? You know, how do you get started? Once you take aside the traditional uh, media verticals, Mm -hmm. you know, the typical print and, and television, and really go into this new digital age, what advice would you give to to our listeners? So I think the smart ones are the ones that tap into digital. And here's what, what makes digital, and particularly, I mean, and the numbers just net themselves out. Facebook, obviously, I mean, despite the fact that we all say, who knows what's the next MySpace, Facebook, Facebook has dominated sort of the core sort of consumer messaging platform for brands and for publishers, et cetera. That hasn't gone anywhere. And I think the thing... When you think about all of the, to your point, all the avenues you can go, you can go radio still, you can go with Pinterest and, you know, Snapchat, Facebook, television, traditional TVC. The great thing about digital is you get to measure the results. And when you measure the results on a short form, long form, 10 second, five second, pre-roll, emotional, comedy, whatever it is, you can see, you know, the way that, that Facebook and sort of like the way their algorithms and, and, and you can measure what the audience is re- resonating with. You can tap into research companies that will tell you like authenticity, you know, um, emotional storytelling are the two number one, one and two drivers, you know, really well executed comedy does well within the first three seconds. If they see a friendly face, they are more likely they are five times more, whatever the, the updated number is because it changes you get all of this information back on your performance and it lets you, if you're a brand, figure out, okay, well, we went in with this POV and we told our creators to do this and we all thought we were going to go left and our audience went right. Okay, now we got the next 2.0 version of this campaign. You can take those learnings and make yourself more effective and more efficient. And that's what makes digital, Facebook, YouTube, all of those platforms so useful for, you know, the, the smart brands are the ones like when you talk about you're an entrepreneur and you want to how do you grow your company? The smart ones, the way I see it, and, and I just use them right now, Budweiser, because I think they're doing it well. They're using digital so effectively. Case in point, this last sort of spot we just did with them. We did a spot where they had been partnering with Folds of Honor for years, giving these scholarships to the family of fallen and injured soldiers. And they wanted to find a way to tell the story of Folds of Honor and their partnership with them for, for the years and, and the thousands of scholarships they'd, they'd given. Well, they came to us and said, how can we tell the story? How can we package it together? How can we make this emotional? How can we make it impactful? How can we make sure that people see that? 
And one thing we said is, here's how you do it. If you're going to tell a real story, you don't stick the brand in there, which is, and you tell a long form story. Two things that are against anything that anybody, any brand CMO would want to hear. Yet we did that. And there wasn't a single product shot. No one drank beer. And the product didn't appear except for on a logo at three minutes and I think 34 seconds in the spot. And the audience favorability for that spot was at 98%. If you were to ask me, what do I think that was a coincidence? Absolutely not. It was a real, so, so what I, so as far as like CMOs, brands, I think it's trusting the people who make your content and trusting your audience and understanding that your audience is smart and you don't need to jam a message or jam. It doesn't, you've got to relearn the way you talk to your audience and you've got to stop making commercials and you need to start realizing the word content is so ambiguous. Content right now is Game of Thrones. It's a radio ad. It's a movie. It's a digital spot. It's a five-second, you know, downy commercial. It doesn't matter what it is. Everything nowadays is content. Like, there are no more avenues. There are no more lanes. Everything you do, just because you saw E.T. and it was a movie, just because Reese's Pieces were in it didn't, or Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, whichever it was, that was a, you could say that was a piece of branded content. I would say that was a movie. People have been doing this forever. The smart ones are the ones that realize how to leverage and tap into the content that's being created and how to tell your story organically and natively without jamming it down your audience's throat. So what what does success look like, though? So if we go back to Budweiser, is success selling more beer or is it that they had a million shares, 10 million views, more comments? You know, what is success in this digital age and how do you justify the spend? I would I would leave the KPIs and that sort of thing to like Budweiser and their brand marketing team as far as how they justify and whatnot. I can tell you that when you have numbers, for example, we, which they had, 48% organic share, which is unheard of, 98% brand favorability, which is unheard of, 55 million views, which is also unheard of, and tapping into an audience that doesn't traditionally drink your beer, how you measure the, sa- the, the sales, I leave it up to them. But as far as a KPI performance, like to me, it's about, again, engaging, tapping into an audience, having people see you that would have you know, skipped through this. I mean, at this with your phone and for nobody, for everybody listening at home, no one can see what I'm doing. I'm sort of like mocking the way people sort of consume media. And this is what Gary So you're flipping v, through like Tinder, Gary right? V does this, talks about this so well. It's about being thumb stopping. It's about scrolling through your feed and stopping going, wait, what's that? I've got to watch that. How do I hack for, as a creator, how do I take that awesome message but hack that behavior? Because as what my, one of my favorite bosses told me, like when I was 22 in my first job out of college, I don't care if a million people showed up to you know an event you threw. If they showed up physically, if nobody saw it, it never happened. That's the mentality I always take whenever I create content. How do I get, create content that's going to touch the masses? Do you think um, so many brands and companies trust Vayner because Gary himself – has proven he's has created himself as a brand and his 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 life his his success you could see it i mean you watch it i mean he has huge followings on mm-hmm. all the social platforms so if he was able to do that as an individual has that built confidence for people to say he could do it for me too unlike other traditional agencies that maybe are a little antiquated and are you know behind the curve absolutely i think the thing when you talk about gary is it's so interesting when you see him cuz <clears throat> i had this experience the first time when i started vayner is like You've heard the spin. You hear him talk like he's he can walk into a room and like he's a force of nature. Um, and so you can walk, you you know, you can talk the talk. Can you walk the walk? The interesting thing when you look at VaynerMedia, I mean, look at our client roster, look at sort of the relate. And Gary will tell you it's all about relationships. But at the end of the day, as great as those relationships are, you know, these Fortune 500 companies, these multi-billion dollar corporations are about Another thing beyond relationships are also about results. And I think the great thing about VaynerMedia and a great thing about Gary Vaynerchuk, he's consistently proven to people that he can – I mean this guy came out of nowhere. He, he didn't have a background in advertising, and yet this ordinary person was able to do extraordinary things on digital and create an industry where you know one hadn't existed yet, but able to have that foresight. And, and I think the numbers that – we do for our brands and the work that we pump out sort of proves proves him right. 
I think you had mentioned somewhere along the way um, <sighs> that you didn't go to school for advertising or film. Yeah. Um, so, so full disclosure, I didn't go to film school. I took some advertising classes, but I didn't go to ad school. And even so, like my degree is in communications. And my first job out of school was in PR, and I didn't like it. I hated it. And I knew it from like literally the first second of the first minute of the first hour. I knew I hated it. And I knew I didn't want to be selling news and, and content. I wanted to be creating it myself. Um, and then I became a sportscaster from there, which is very in a local TV station in North Florida and Tallahassee, Florida, doing sports and telling, talking about college football and college basketball and NASCAR and the NFL and decided one day, you know, there's just more things out there. There's more stories I want to tell. And as great, as big of a sports fan as I was and as great as it was, it sort of led me to New York and, and that led me to um, being a producer going from in front of the camera to behind the camera um, and working with MTV News and their news and documentaries department and doing everything from, you know, creating content with from Britney Spears to Bono to Bill Clinton. Um, and everywhere in between and just going places like going to Africa with Bill Clinton and meeting Nelson Mandela to going to Cuba back when it was illegal for Americans to go to Cuba with the band Audio Slave to play in a concert for 60,000 people. It was great. And at that time, this was 03 to 07. So for me, it was a great time to be sent all over the world. Yeah, I'll go to Washington, D.C. and like go talk to Britney Spears. Yeah, I'll go to Fort Lauderdale and hang out with Beyonce. Um and you're like, yeah, I'll get on a plane and go to Africa for 10 days with Bill Clinton and, and like do a documentary on the AIDS epidemic and how it's ravishing the continent. And it was telling these diverse set of stories that were real stories. And whether it was a music artist debuting a new album, it was a music artist or a pop culture icon trying to change an ideology, or it was a former president trying to change the world. It was an opportunity to tell stories in a two to three minute format is back when we were telling news back then in video. And, and it's funny because at the time I'm like, man, I'll never use this again. This is like the most wasted thing. Everybody's making reality TV. That's a future. Why am I telling two to three minute stories? But circle forward to 2017 and it's sort of become the niche. And it's like, you know, it's the way it's 30 seconds isn't enough time to tell a story. 15 seconds on a TVC isn't enough time to tell a story. Um, to me, digital is to TVC what Netflix and HBO is to movies. Everybody who creates a two-hour movie and who spends the $50 million to make that would love to be Vince Gilligan, Matthew Weiner, and have six seasons and 10 episodes per season to tell a more rich, diverse, interesting story. And the brands that tap into everyone, you know, it's funny because some of the, and I won't name their names, but some of the platform people will say, don't tell a long form story. It doesn't work. Don't do it. It doesn't work. With Budweiser alone, VaynerMedia and Budweiser have proven that's so false because the numbers and the engagements are off the charts. Because if you tell it right, and you talk to your audience in a way that's intelligible and a way that like doesn't like look down on them, but like lets them be a part of the experience, you can do amazing things. Right. Because the average time spent looking at videos is really 90 seconds, right? Right. So your average is what, 3.4 minutes or? It, so it depends. I still think, I still think some of the time tested um, metrics do by and large hold true. But it comes down to this, like even like we go through the summer movie season, everyone's like, no one's watching movies this summer. You're like, well, the movies this summer all sucked. So that's the reason why no one watched the movie. And then an album drops and people are like, no one's buying an album. And then there's an amazing album that drops and everyone's buying it. People are just more fickle. There's more like avenues for consumption. And it's not that people don't want to purchase things and that people don't want to consume things. They just don't want to purchase and consume things that aren't good. Because the audience has taste. And so that's the way as if, if brand, I wish more CMOs and more brand marketing people understood that, that t just, we can tell your story. Trust me, give me the keys to the kingdom. Give me the keys to your beloved Corvette. Let me tell this story. Trust me to do it right. Trust the work we've done. And then be a little bit scared, be a little bit uncomfortable, but let us prove you that we can talk to the audience because the thing that I have, the thing that Gary V really has, the thing that any good content creator has is they know their audience. Um, that was really interesting. Thank you. So it's that time of the show where it's snack time. And snack time. <laughs> and I know you brought something interesting to share with us. I did. 
So, um, and I just want to give a little bit of background on what snack time is. It's actually our opportunity to break bread with you. Love it. So we get to know you a little bit better and we'd love to hear what you brought and why it's special to you. So I'm going to, I'm going to say this as I'm handing this out. So forgive the bag crumpling and all that, but I brought, I brought some without being a, um, dropping a, a product <laughs> placement in the middle of the show, I will forego the name of the the place I, I purchased this from, but there is a notoriously... No, you can't. You have to tell us. You have to okay. tell us. There is a notoriously amazing chocolate place right around the corner here in New York City called Jacques Torres. And I used to... There is a great production studio I used to work out of um, back when I was making commercials for Match.com. I worked out of this place. And when I stumbled upon their chocolate chip cookies. They were like the most amazing things in the world. So when I found out that we were recording this a block away, I knew what I was going to bring for snack time. Uh, these chocolate chip cookies are divine, and I hope everybody at home enjoys listening to us eat them. Thank you so much. You're so we're going to jump to a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about content studios and ROI. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Vikram Iyer, former advisor to President Barack Obama. Have you been opening your Twitter account or Facebook feeds or even just talking to families and friends and wondering what the heck is going on in this country? Well, it's not as bad as you think, but we're going to unpack that for you. Join me at the American Enough podcast on the Mount Media Network as we unpack the policies, executive orders, and daily kerfuffles that are shaping not just this administration, but the modern face of America's politics. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. Talent connects top brands and agencies with exceptional creative, marketing, and digital talent every day. Whether you're looking for the right position or to hire the very best talent, 24-7 boasts more than 500,000 vetted and interviewed freelance and full-time candidates. Experience the difference at 247talent.com. That's 24-S-E-V-E-N-Talent.com. Welcome back to Content is Your Business. We're here with Ritesh Gupta, and we're going to keep things going. Let's do it. All right. So clearly you guys are in demand. Uh, we've all seen the content you've created for companies like Budweiser, um, and there's uh, no shortage of uh, people knocking on your door. But for the naysayers out there, for the people that uh, aren't yet sold on native content, branded content, digital strategies, how do you convince someone? What type of analytics does Vayner have? How can you show or prove to someone that the money they're spending with your organization is money well spent? You know, how do you basically gauge the ROI on this short-form, long-form content? I think one of the things with any marketing team, they're always happy when something does well. 2,000 shares, 5,000 shares, 50 million views, they're really happy. I think just the same way you have to sell in an idea before you get to make it, you almost have to come back on the backside and prove how you did. And you need to almost show them your report card. Um, I think, you know, and this isn't exclusive to Vayner, but a lot of agencies, publishers, content studios will create what they call, some call them chess pounds, you know, brand sizzles, come up with a deck that shows the metrics. Because I think the, the it's almost like when you're drinking, when you're popping the bottles of champagne and everybody's toasting each other afterwards, they forget how valuable you are, and you need to remind them how valuable you are, what you did for them, and how you outperformed what they expected. And they need to see it in front of them, just the same way you need to give them a creative deck, a brand brief, a director's treatment. It's almost like on the backside, sometimes um, creators forget that element, and it's an important side of it. And the one downside of it is... It's money out of your own pocket. You sort of have to do it on your own. Um, ideally, if you are can move pieces around, there's somebody that helps you that's working on another project. But it's such an important follow-up with any brand. And that's, I mean, that's not speaking as somebody who works at Vayner. That's just somebody who's speaking in terms of like a business person. Um, you just need to remind them like, hey, you expected 20 million views. We got you 50. You expected 1,000 shares. We got you 5,000. You know, Unruly says that 74% is the metric. We got you 86. You just need to show them 
how you perform because I think that begets and sells you in the next piece of business. So everything you you're saying though is about audience and and views and shares. But what about if I was an e-commerce company? I'm coming to you and I say, here's my store, and I want to sell more product. And I spend two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You get me a hundred million impressions across all these different platforms. You make a beautiful report card, is, right. and I say, hey. All, at the end of the day, all I sold is $50,000 in product. Yeah. Now, you may say if the, the impressions earned or the amount of exposure far exceeds $250,000. Right. So is it fair to say that the market – this is not – you can't look at it dollar to dollar. You can't, you can't gauge you, a success you, based on the amount of sales. You absolutely can't. But let's look at Dollar Shave Club. A viral video launched a company, Poopery. Go down HelloFlow, um, even down to the Squatty Potty. Which I'm not going to say that I bought, but I'm not going to also say that I don't have it. Um, <laughs> you know, those companies were launched off of amazing pieces of content. So in some cases, you can calculate the ROI. On some cases, you can calculate the CRM. I think that to your point, like, look, I think any smart business person, if somebody is making the money, they're going to recognize that and they're going to want to work with you again. I think that's just the follow through as, as a Eddie, as the, the savvy business person you are, you've got to remind them why you need them. And if, you know what, if you, if they don't, if they feel like they don't need you, I mean, go work for their competitor and prove them wrong. You know, that's, listen, being hungry is the greatest motivator in any business. And, and if somebody doubts what you're bringing to the table, go get a better deal. So if I came to you and said, you know, I've got a hundred grand to spend, but I want to make five X that, that in my online store, would you say that I have unrealistic expectations? It would, I would have to know more about the business model of what you're looking at and the sort of average metric. So without knowing, it, you know, I can't give you a blank number, but I would say I can make you a compelling piece of content. Now, I can't control your store, your sort of point of purchase sales, mm -hmm. your credit card, if something customer service, like there's so many other entities, but you know, look, content is content. Everybody needs it. Like phones aren't going away. They're only multiplying. I remember back in the day when people marveled that 30 million people have cable. You're like, wow, 30 million people out of 200 million people have cable. Now we all have cable and we have more than cable. We have endless opportunities. Like this is, I mean, if you want to break it down to dollars and cents in business, like this is supply and demand. The demand is high. The supply is out there and they, there's a greater need for more supply. Like People aren't ever going to make less content. They're only going to make more of it in different kinds. So you talk about supply and demand. You know, Lisa gets up at about 5 o'clock every morning, so I wake up to about five articles a day from her mm -hmm. on the, how companies are launching uh -huh. branded content studios. Uh, it appears to me that the traditional media houses are trying to offset lost revenue or declining advertising dollars by creating their own branded content house. What would you say? Do you think that is going to jeopardize their editorial authenticity do you look at that as a competition? Do you think that's a viable business model? Do you think that that's that's a short-term fix for these publishers? I think we've had what? How, I mean, let's just say in the last 100 years of advertisement, I don't think there's a CMO or a CEO who hasn't thought we can just do it all in-house. There is a reason you go out of house. There is a reason you have a creative agency. There is a reason you have a media agency. You know, there's a reason you have people that don't drink the Kool-Aid that you drink every day at your company and say, rah, rah, that see the world for what it is that are specialized in that. I think there's opportunities to definitely trim down the cost efficiencies, but I think bringing it in-house could be a boon. It could also be an epic disaster. I mean, I think we can go back two months ago and look at a certain soft drink that bombed fantastically. And like, if you, we had this conversation three months ago, maybe we could have said, yeah, you know what? That is the future. Two months ago, we were like, holy crap, thank God we're not doing that. You know? And that's what happens when you everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid patting themselves on the back. Nobody's questioning anything because you're afraid of your job because how can you because everybody from the CEO down loves this and there's no sort of guardrails around that. And that is the damage that was done off of one spot was epic, epic. And all of that could have been avoided had that gone to a creative agency. And even after it was shot, somebody go, whoa, so we'll, let's let's focus group this. Let's just get some. Let, let's pump the brakes and let's not all think we're the smartest people in the room. So for publishers trying to offset a declining advertising dollars because marketers are going to now that's it. Now that's a different model. So there's there's two. There, let's talk about the models. There's a traditional agency. There's a digital agency. There's also the content publishers who are now Refinery Twenty Nine, Vice Branded Films, you know, um, Bleacher Report. 
Barstool Sports. There's there's that publisher. And then there's also the in-house content studio. Now, they're not all the same. The difference is, I think, and I've worked for some of the publishers, they're great. And I think there's the thing with the publishers and why you want to go that route. The publishers, it used to be back in the day, you had your creative agency, you had your media agency, and they had to buy time on a network, a cable channel, whatever it is. Well, Refinery29, ESPN, Bleacher Report, they are the pipe. If the network used to be the pipe 10 years ago, the Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Refinery29, it's all the same sort of pipe. You have millions of people living in a certain space. If you're Facebook, you have more. If you're Refinery29, you have a niche. If you want to market towards that niche and talk, who knows that customer and that audience better than the people that make editorial content? The advantage they have is they're making content every day and so much of it that they're able to effectively know exactly who their audience is, what exactly they want. So the smart ones like Vice Branded and who started doing it first and have done a phenomenal job, they sort of have rolled in the agency underneath sort of the publisher. So now they get the media dollars, they have the audience, they have the pipe, and they have the creative, and they have the production. I think the thing that you're sort of getting at is it used to also be if you went the traditional TVC route and you went with one of the big ones to do your Super Bowl spot, you hire, you have the creative agency, their AOR. They then hire the production company who's another third party. They hired an editorial house that's another third party. The smart ones like VaynerMedia are putting some of those assets underneath the roof of the agency. We have production, we have posts, we have editorial. One of the things that makes Vayner unique that you were asking about is Vayner has it all under one roof. So we're able to sort of economize your dollars, you know, talk to the the right people and effectively give you better content because we're able to, like, I can have a level of control because I have it all under my roof. Um, And that's what the publishers have also. But is it damaging to them? Because if a publisher now, A, creates too much branded content, Mm -hmm. will they lose credibility with their audience? And number two, if they create a piece of content that fails... Will the advertisers say, hey, you know, you controlled, you created the message and you controlled uh, the pipeline, as you said, as, as opposed to if I go to you, mm-hmm. you create the content mm-hmm. you and you recommend that I host it or publish it on Refinery29, you know, you're responsible yeah. for the message. So are they putting themselves at risk? Uh, so here's, here's the thing. And I think we talked about this earlier. This is the wild, wild west. We're all pioneers hitching our wheels to a wagon, heading west across the Mississippi. We have no idea what lies beyond, but we're all trying to figure it out. Um, in terms of the smart brands are the ones that don't go all in on just one platform. They don't just go all in on Facebook, all in on TVC, all in on radio or Shazam, or all in on the publishers. The smart ones are the ones that are like the smart hedge fund investors, right? You diversify your portfolio. So you might have 20% of your business with a publisher, 50% with us, 20%, you know what I mean? You move things around. You may still trust a, a creative agency, but you also, that doesn't mean that Vice Branded may not make content and we may not make content for the same brand. I think that there is a value, whether it's 100% in the future for the publishers, but I do think the publishers, if they do it right, are an effective sort of platform. Here's the one catch in that whole business model, quality. And that's something we haven't talked about. There's a difference between making something and there's a difference between making it right. And more so, more often than not, the in-house studio, the publisher that has a branded agency, they're putting people in charge who have no agency experience, who haven't necessarily done that, who they think can go and pivot. And more often than not, you see a lot of bad content. It's become digital has sort of become like a scriptwriter in Hollywood, where they say like a dog with a screenplay in his mouth is a scriptwriter, is a screenwriter. It's become now where there's so much bad content on your phone that the good content cuts it out. So I think if I were if there is a if there is a CMO, a brand manager, a content creator listening right now, here's what I would tell you. Focus on quality. It's not about making 10 spots. It's about making one that's really awesome because that always, whatever it is, it always cuts through. Well, you just answered my question. <laughs> there you go. I was I was reading your mind, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you. No, I was just going to go back to the, this rapidly changing market. We keep hearing the wild, wild west. You know, what would you, what advice would you give to talent um, to keep up in this market? And clearly it's quali- to focus on quality. I would focus on quality. And here's what I would say. 
it's and and this because because I will I'll give you a piece of personal perspective. There's so many times in my career, not starting and not having an advertising background. I didn't go to Miami ad school. I didn't win their Top Gun. I didn't go to film school. And it's like, gosh, I can't do that. Gosh, I'll never be able to make that. Oh man, how do they do that? The smart people in this world are like anything else. They figure it out. They make it work and they hustle. And you know what? Maybe that means you got to put in a little bit more time. But if you're out there right now and you're a content creator, if you're an 18-year-old kid, a 12-year-old kid listening to this podcast, you should know everything is out in front of you and don't let anybody tell you no. Because every brand is looking for you. Every agency is looking for you. Every publisher and content studio wants what you have. If what you make, it's, it's just like a great film, a great you know, TV series or a great piece of branded content. If what you make is true and it has a voice and it has a way to touch an audience, then there is a way to put a brand message in that that, makes, that keeps your art organic, that lets you be that person that can create this stuff for these multi-billion dollar companies because, again, it's about the democratization of our business. And like with iPhones, with laptops, with Macs, doesn't matter what it is, this is available for everybody. So I kind of just want to tie that all together. So if you think about it, like we're, brands are supposed to be creating content, but I don't know that they necessarily understand why. I think that I think that they're to your point. They understand that oh, we should probably be doing digital. Oh, we should probably be on Facebook. Oh, we should probably make a Pinterest ad. And to your point, the smart ones are the ones that understand, why do I want to spend on Pinterest? Why are we putting this on Facebook? Why are we doing all of this? So at the end of the day, it's not about shiny objects. It's not about, you know, AI. It's not about, um, you know, VR or anything else. It's about what are you have? What is your message? It's not about what you sell. It's about who you are. It's about what you represent and what you stand for. Then if I'm a creator, how can I take what you stand for, what you mean to your audience, and how can I package that message by understanding the context of the platform? Because a movie is different than a TV show that is different than a Snapchat ad. And how can I tap into that user behavior to tell your story in a way that's going to be engaging and, and make an authentic connection with your audience? Because here's the other metric I want to sort of that I've been pushing that I would love for all of us content creators to be about. Interesting is no longer somebody wants. Interesting is your friend's engagement photos or your niece's, you know, you know, communion. Right now, compelling is the only thing that makes the audience engage, experience, and talk with your brand in a meaningful way that turns them into, you know, like viewers on a website to active brand participants at a store. And so compelling is what you should focus on. And when I sit down and I look at a brand, like whether I'm handed a CPG brand, a alcohol brand, a car, doesn't matter what it is. Like, I'm like, how can I make this a compelling piece of content on that platform? Because if I can't, then I owe it to the brand to go back to the go back to the drawing board. So I say that to the brand managers out there listening, to the CMOs listening, challenge your agencies. How is this compelling? Why is this going to cut through versus all our other competition? That was great. Um, I think we could talk about this all day, actually. Unfortunately, we have to go to break, but our final segment is actually going to be about what's your story. <laughs> I'm scared. No, you shouldn't be because it's about getting into some personal oh, okay, aspects. Yeah. So, and usually with stories with our guests and much more after this. You can follow us on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. And episodes are available on our website, contentisyourbusiness.com, and wherever the best podcasts are found. You can also check out all of the other Mouth Media Network shows at mouthmedianetwork.com. Welcome back to Content Is Your Business. It's our final segment. And you know what that means? It's time for... Getting into your story. Love it. We like to figure out the stories behind the storytellers. Our hosts pick a number between 1 and 20. We pick it randomly through our random number generator, and then whoever gets the closest gets to answer first. So I guess I'm up. You're I'll up. Take, I'll take five. 16. Seven. Four. All right. You're up. 
Tell me about your most compelling video you've captured. Oh, man. Um, recently or... I would tell you... So if we're talking about content and it's ambiguous, I would say one of the most personal, personally rewarding experiences was probably going to Africa with Bill Clinton and just um, being in a little... Con- there's a tiny speck of a country within South Africa called Lesotho. Um, and it looks like, if you were to see the very original Star Wars, it looks like the desert. In fact, they call it the Desert Kingdom. And we landed and we went there and we went to a clinic where they were working to fight the AIDS epidemic. And we sat into a... We sat in a waiting room, not much bigger than this one, and there was probably me and our correspondent, and there was probably a hundred patients in there, and we asked our translator, how many of these people in here have HIV? And he said, everybody in here. And you were basically shoulder to shoulder right there, and it just brought it home. And that was one of those times when I realized, like, that's the power you have as a storyteller. Like, you get sent to these places... You work for a place like MTV. You have an audience, and that audience is willing to listen to what you create. And what you say, what you tell, what you show, and how it comes across can impact them. And it can make them see their world differently. And like for me, that's one of the most personally rewarding experiences I've ever had. I think recently, um, I would probably say... Um, delivering uh, a dream delivered recently where we gave a scholarship to a young lady who um, whose father was injured in um, back in Desert Storm. Before that, never got to go, and he had this tremendous guilt. And we went there, and it was, they were real people. They didn't know what we were going to do. We were going to surprise them by giving his daughter a scholarship. But when we got there, there was this real story there where their father had this tremendous guilt that weighed on his shoulders. And he's like, well, I'm glad you guys are here supporting veterans, but I don't feel like I'm a veteran because I got hurt before I was supposed to go and I never went. And I think, and this, this was a man that never like for 20 plus years didn't value himself um, the way he should have, the way we all see him like a tremendous asset to our country and somebody to be proud of. And in the course of three days with filming with them, we brought Adam Driver, the um, amazing actor from from um, the new Star Wars, Girls, um, the talented actor who was a former Marine himself, who when we dug into the story, and this is why you put in the extra hours, you do the research. Oh, by the way, Adam Driver was injured before he could go get shipped off to, um, to fight in Iraq in 2001. There was a parallel that existed. And, you know, in talking to Adam when we surprised the family by bringing Adam to their house, the dad and Adam had this real connection. And the dad said, for the first time, I met somebody who had my story. And it's like that Us Weekly celebrities, they're just like us. We got to witness that moment. And when we left, and even in fact, just yesterday, I got an email from the young lady. It's been a couple months since we filmed that. But even to this day, she says that changed her father's life. So for Budweiser, it was a piece of content. For a family, it changed their life. So, and from a spectator, I felt like I was emotionally connected to it. And so, from a content creator, I felt that tremendous responsibility that we did justice to their story, to that family. And regardless of selling a single beer, and I'm sure anybody at Budweiser will tell you, it's more important that we changed a life. So, you know, with much power, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and that was a perfect example. No, it was. I saw it this morning. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. All right. We're going to roll that random number generator again. Eddie, come on. Step up. <laughs> Yours was 16, right? I guess I won. <laughs> All right. Well, my question is not going to be that deep, Okay. but it's going to be more personal. Do, do it. So, you know, you're extremely knowledgeable, extremely articulate. I have no doubt that you could get any business that you really want. You sold me. I don't know. Even. I love it. I love it. I so, got, so I got something what, to tell you. what is it that made you leave the life of entrepreneurship, the freedom and all those perks to join corporate America? So what that, is it about Gary Vee? What is, what is, I mean, I, I watch his videos and he keeps yeah. me up at night. What, why did you leave? So it's interesting. There is a personal freedom that comes with choosing your projects, choosing who you get to work with. Um, and, and I've been doing that for about 13 years. So, I had been in the corporate world working for Viacom, wonderful company, by the way. Still know lots of friends who work over there. Um, and I think, you know, the thing for me is what I've learned. I'm 41 years old. What I've learned is it's important, as you said, Eddie, to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you 
and more importantly, that people that see the world the way you do and want to do the things you want, like want to accomplish the things you want to accomplish. Um, and so I was approached uh, by, you know, Gary V's team. I don't want to say Gary himself, but Gary V's team with his blessing um, because Gary's, you know, as much as, as great as they've done, there's a new step at Vayner that has been taking place over the past four or five months. Um, and they asked me to be a part of it. And it was, I mean, we had sort of spoken about it in passing, but I never knew if it was the right opportunity. But I think in this particular case, it's just, he's got a way he wants to take on everything. He wants to upend the world. He wants to be an agent of change. And he wants to tap into digital and this new sort of landscape. And he's basically saying, I want to put rocket boosters on that wagon you have and jet you past everybody else in the line. And I'm sort of like, sweet, let's put those rocket boosters and go shooting across the Grand Canyon. I don't know if we'll make it, but let's try. Gary V has that passion, that determination, and that sort of at the heart of the way I see the world. So for me, it was a natural sort of... Um, engagement and like look i'm a small part of a big team like and i mean that in all honesty i'm a small part um i would never say i'm the be all end all and and heaven forbid you know there's a lot of super talented people that work but when everybody's pulling in the same direction it's amazing the sort of things you can accomplish and for me it was worth these like nothing ventured nothing gained so what's the worst that could happen and it's been about four months now for me and it's been fantastic it's been everything i'd sort of hoped and it's only going to get better well maybe it was all that time on air you know calling mi minor league baseball games that i'm made telling you a great you, pitch man i mean I'm, I'm thankful that i i i'm thankful that i broadcasted in the days before youtube because i would i would dread seeing any of my old clips um online. which is funny because i would actually want to see those no, so. no 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 they're buried <laughs> they're buried in a box somewhere in an unmarked um, spot in, on the earth. In your closet. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I think we won't know where we're going unless we know where we've been. So who was the biggest influence on your career? That is a great question. I would say one of the biggest influences on my career was actually my first boss at the place I hated. And I didn't hate the job because of him. I just hated it because I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I knew I was settling. I knew I always wanted to make content. And at the time, like I thought I always wanted to be a sportscaster. Um, and so his name was Ron Sachs. He's still, he's in Tallahassee, Florida. He used to be the communications director for Lawton Childs, the former governor of the state of Florida. I hope he's listening. He, Lawton, <laughs> I hope Ron Sachs is listening. And Ron was a huge influence because he made, he was very direct and straightforward with the way things were. And one of the things I learned back then, and it's so true about media, nothing matters the way you see it. It only matters the way it's perceived. And perception is reality. It's proven by said soft drink brand that screwed things up. That doesn't make them a bad company. But the perception out there was a tone deaf sort of attempt at speaking to the world. Like what you say, what you put out there matters. You have to think about everything what you're doing, why you're doing it, how it's going to affect people. Um, and he taught me that at 22. I don't think I realized it at the time, although I always sort of knew. But even, you know, almost 20 years later, I still look back at those formative years. And it was only probably four months working with him. It might have been longer. I, my my memory's fuzzy, but it, it made an impact. And there's that said, there's been a lot of great people along the way. But that one person, just like I sort of soaked up everything he had to offer. Awesome. So now we're going to push you to the next level because stories usually end with like a final thought. So we want you to give any final thoughts to our listeners. What can you share with them? I would say my final thought, if you're a brand CEO, if you're a CMO, be brave, be bold, take a chance, take a risk. There's no, you know, there's always the opportunity to redefine who you are. And I would also say to those brands, those CMOs and, and the marketing people, don't be about what you sell. Be about who you're about. You know, it's not about the product you sell. It's about the story you, you represent. Be true to that. And if you are, the audience is smart and they're going to pick that up. That's what I would want to say to them. And just trust it. Go with it. Take a risk. I know it's scary and I know it's it's uncomfortable. But my God, just just it's been proven time and time again that the smart ones that take risks succeed. Um to the creators, I would say, I want to hear who you are. So does Gary. And that's what I love about Gary. He's like, he's like, DM me. And he means it. But just in general, like, <laughs> if you're a creator, 
don't stop creating. There is a voice and a space for you. Um, and if you think that you're like, don't be like I was 22 and think, God, I'm like 20 years behind these people who are 40 and they're so much smarter than I am. The reality is it, we are, everyone is on the same level. Whether you work for a million dollar agency or you're sitting in your parents' basement and you're on your laptop, make, create, and put yourself out there. And I guarantee you, you will find that the doors will open up faster than they'll close. I love that so much. Make, create, and put yourself out there. Okay, speaking of DMing you, how can people reach you? You can find, it's a great question. You can find me, um, you can find me on Facebook. Okay. Um, you can find me on Instagram and you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me anywhere. You know what? And reach out. By the way, I have people on LinkedIn reach out to me all the time because obviously that's more of a professional platform. So people reach out for advice, say, hey, I really loved X, Y, and Z. I always try to get back to those people who send me a direct message. So if you want to send me a direct message, the best way is probably LinkedIn just because it keeps it professional and sort of like, you know, above board on that. So that'd be a great way to, um, to reach me. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. This was really fantastic. We really appreciated your perspective. And uh, that was Ritesh Gupta from VaynerMedia. So that's it for our episode of Content is Your Business. And we appreciate you being a part of the conversation today. Um, until next time for Eddie. I really appreciate being here. It was actually very, very valuable for me. So this thank is you awesome. Again. Thanks, Eddie. And Lisa. Ritesh, amazing. So nice to meet you. Absolutely. Great meeting you. And thanks for having me. This no, was absolutely. fun to talk about. Agreed. I'm Dahlia Strum, and I guess we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Content Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for this show, or to become a sponsor, email us at contentshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Content Biz Show. That's Content B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, contentisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network and brought to you by 24-7 Talent. Connect with the best talent at 247talent.com. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.